You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Fully Loaded Chew is tobacco-free, long-cut, and pouches that gives you the same pack, dip, spit, and buzz that you're used to without tobacco. Fully Loaded Chew comes in nine flavors and is made with all food-grade ingredients and tobacco-free nicotine, the purest form of nicotine there is. To give us a try, head on over to FullyLoadedChew.com for a $1 can of chew with free shipping when you enter the code OUTDOOR1, O-U-T-D-O-O-R, and the number one. Lastly, many outdoorsmen are trying to quit tobacco altogether, and Fully Loaded Chew may be that first step. For more information on our product line, visit FullyLoadedChew.com. What's up, guys? My name is Parker McDonald, and I'm your host, and you are listening to the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. Welcome to the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. It is, uh, what is today? It's like June, June 9th. Do you know what that means, Luke? It's one day closer to deer season. It's one day closer to deer season. Also, it is, uh, let's see, we're like less than three months from the velvet hunt in Tennessee. Isn't that nuts? I feel like like turkey season literally just ended. That's crazy. Like last week, I cut the legs, cut the spurs, took the beard, and hung the tail fan from my last turkey, which was the Merriams in Nebraska. Yeah, like it just ended. I, I just know. put up all my turkey stuff, cleaned out my truck. Dove season too. Oh yeah, you're you're all into dove hunting. Yeah, you'll be you'll be in Tennessee. I'll be shooting doves here in Alabama. Yeah, we'll have a we need to have like a grill out, do some back straps and. Dove breasts. That'd be cool. That would be. That'd be fun. Wild game dinner. Let's plan a wild game dinner. A beast feast. Dove. Turkey. I got deer. turkey. I got plenty of turkey. Fish. Because fishing right now is hot. Yeah, it's hot. Yeah. Both. <laughs> Figuratively. Like, <laughs> yeah. Literally. Yeah. But uh, anyway, we got a new voice. Not new. I mean, you've been on here before. A couple times. This is your third time, right? Yeah, third or fourth. Yeah, third or fourth. So... Uh, you may remember Luke. He is my um, delinquent cousin, uh, second or third cousin. I can't remember. It's Always second it. choice to be on the podcast. Whatever, whatever. <laughs> um, that's not true. You know it. Uh, Drew is doing a church camp right now, I think is what he told me. So he's going to be uh, doing that. So we couldn't really schedule a time. But I, I had this idea that I wanted to do. And I was like, all right, since Drew can't be here, who is my second choice, actually? Who would be second choice to be on a podcast? It's just me and you. I mean, it's just going to be me and you talking. So uh, my my youngest, not my young, 
youngest cousin, my young younger, one of the younger ones, younger cousin Luke Parker, who also happens to be a whitetail hunting fanatic, and uh, you had a pretty good turkey season this year too, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, um, all things considered. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on, by the way, but that <laughs> means it didn't do too bad <laughs> on the other ones. Oh, I thought you were being sarcastic about kind of sorta, but no, season. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, but yeah, turkey season for me was a bit different because you were hunting public land and I was hunting private. And so I was in the four-day season. That was... Like yeah, so explain that. Alabama, season. a lot of Alabama guys will probably know this, but some of them might not because there's it's not a whole lot of the state that has this. But yeah. you're in where, where there's technically, what, four zones, I think? Four yep. or five? Yep. So we're in, like in Coleman in the area where... I am close to Coleman. It's a four-day season, which I think this year was April 17th through the 21st. And so I was I was watching birds from the day it opened for everybody else all the way until April 17th. <laughs> and so I had to get it done those four days, and I ended up shooting two that I had on camera that I would see when I would go scout. That It was just driving me crazy, following hens, just hammering. As I was watching them, so. every time I come to the office or whatever, after I, days after I killed a turkey, you'd be like, "I hate you." Oh yeah, I, hate I know. You so much. Because Parker would come in, and you would already, you'd have like what two? How many did you have by then? Two or three? I think I shot three by the time you killed your first one. Yeah, I just had to get over it. <laughs> I just had to pray <laughs> that it would just get there, and but it you, did. But you had a good couple days there, man, where you just like laid them down. It was awesome. I I should have killed, I should have killed three, but I ended up killing two. One I couldn't get on. It was really rainy one day, and I couldn't get on him. And he just completely disappeared. Just tight-lipped, wouldn't gobble, wouldn't do anything. And I ended up getting on a different bird um, the next day. And uh, I made it happen. It it was crazy. The first one, it was like three. My dad came out with me that morning. I think I told you this. Yeah, it was the day Drew missed. Oh, that's right. (laughs) He shot it probably the same time you did. And yeah. you called me literally right after he shot. I felt so bad for Drew. <laughs> I felt bad for him too, but it does have to happen. Uh, like, it's better for him to get it done, get that miss, get all that stuff out of his system yeah. early in his turkey hunting life than later, because <laughs> it hurts a lot worse later when you're super into it. I told, I was like, Drew, I think I'm, I think I'm more upset about this than you are. He's like, ah, oh, it'll be okay. And I know. Yeah, he was pretty chill on the phone, <laughs> and I was just like, Drew missed. Yeah. Dang it, like, I was all upset and stuff. Yeah. But he, was, ended up, he ended up killing one? No, he never killed one. Man. He, uh, but I think this year was his first, like, real season of, like, he went by himself out there quite a bit. He wasn't just going when he got invited or anything like that. He went on his own several times. Took his son a couple times, you know. Yeah. So he, uh, he, he doesn't have it quite yet in his, in his system. But I will tell you this, next, next season, Drew has been getting into the, uh, like leather working and stuff like that, like making stuff. And uh, next season, I'll, I'll kind of tease this and let him talk about it more whenever next time he's on. But he made me, made designed and made me this turkey tote, this leather turkey tote, which was pretty cool. We're going to have to make a little bit of adjustments. The first bird I got to use it on was uh, the Merriams in Nebraska. And so I was the first person to tote a turkey out with it. And, uh, it needs a few adjustments just to make it a little more user friendly, but that's crazy. It'll be pretty cool, yeah. So, um, needs to make me some uh, some moccasins. <laughs> Wear those around in the woods. He's got some <laughs> cool stuff up his sleeve. Uh, I think we're gonna be 
trying to release some more merch here soon because um, Drew is getting really into like he bought a hat press like doing no all way kind of stuff. yeah so uh, that's just kind of a teaser for everybody but that's we do cool. have some new hats that are going to be coming out I'm going to post something on social media soon about it so um, so you had a great turkey season had a, a man I don't think we talked to you this last deer season I don't think you've been on since then but you had like a yeah you went on like a roll this like early early deer season this year like you were just like bam 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 it was all done it was like bittersweet it was during the rut um actually bumped up right next to public and i ended up shooting three bucks in like three days and i i shouldn't have done it (laughs) like i i was like why did i shoot deer so early and whenever i shot them i was i was i was pumped obviously but it was like the middle of November. Yeah. And I still had till the end of, well, till February 10th. And I was like, what, what am I going to do? And so I was trying to get my wife a deer. And whenever I ended up shooting those three, I think we went hunting. I think I shot the last one on a Thursday in November. And we ended up going hunting, I think, Saturday, that Saturday after that evening. Took my wife and went to some private land. And... It's just, it's how it always happens. One of the biggest bucks that I've got on camera, chasing a doe, stepped out 30 minutes before dark, just running a doe, and she couldn't get on it. It was it was just by some thick stuff, and it was at a weird angle to where she get, couldn't get turned around in the blind. And, but I could have shot it. And I'm thinking to myself, what have I done? Like, <laughs> what did I do? But it was bittersweet. I was pumped to shoot those deer. Um, but I think this year... I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to hold out and just kind of give it some time. Well, none of the bucks you shot this year were small, I don't think. I don't they were younger. They were they were all, yeah, they were all younger, probably pretty dang good genetics. Like, they were yeah, they were good deer, you know, they were respectable deer. Definitely um, something I was proud of. Nothing like the one you shot the year before. No, but the buck that I could have shot that my wife couldn't get on, it was like that. Oh, yeah. yeah it was a stud. Yeah, it was, it was a nice deer. <laughs> well, you know. He'll be there next year. Hopefully. hopefully. Hopefully he'll be there next year. Yeah. It's a good property that you've got, though, that you're able to hunt. I mean, you got several really good properties. And then mm-hmm. uh, the one, Austin killed a pretty good buck. Yeah, my buddy Austin. Um, that's actually, uh, it was, let's see, I think the... It was December the 5th. He shot that deer December the 5th. So, Because yeah, it was the same day I shot that deer, remember? That's right. Yeah, yeah. it was like peak rut at some family land. That, uh-huh. um, I, I, I just told him, I said, hey, look. I'm tagged out. I've got this buck on camera. I think I know where he's bedded. And sure enough, we go in the day he killed it. We went in that morning and we're, we're finding the, like we were trying to find a place to set up our stands and we bumped him and I knew that's where he was bedded. And I said, let's just set up right here, um, about a hundred yards off, give the, give that evening a rest and be here first thing in the morning. Sure enough, we, we got there the next day right at daylight right right at daylight I hit a bleat and I hit a grunt and we just froze stayed still stayed quiet not five minutes later hmm. he steps out 50 yards in front of us and he nails it and we had him dead at seven o'clock that morning it yeah, was crazy I remember you sending me that text because that was the day um that I had just seen or maybe I hadn't seen it yet. That's right, the monster. The monster deer that uh, came by like 50 yards chasing that doe, and I didn't get a shot. Man, I think about that deer every day. But he, uh, 
I think you sent me that text before I saw that deer because I, I, you texted me that and I was like, hey, send some of that luck over my way. And then, like, it wasn't a few minutes later that that deer, that doe came out. Then she ran off, and then I saw him running off, and then I shot that buck. Uh, I don't know, a few minutes after that, it was about an hour later, which I knew I was going to have to make that decision. Yep, you had a heck of a morning that. I morning. Had, that was a good morning, and uh, but so yeah, we're happy to have you on the show and help me. Uh, Thanks, dude. Co-host this thing. We've got it. Uh, here's the idea. All right. So if you're listening to this, and um, you're expecting to hear something like super specific the only specific thing i can give you is that the title of this is going to be something like um i don't know it should be something like what are you doing right now to make sure you have the best season ever Mm -hmm. uh or something like that five ways to have the best season you've ever had or something something like that that's pretty much what this is going to be uh i posted something on instagram the other day and i said hey um it was like a, a question on Instagram stories and said, Hey guys, um, what's something you're doing right now that is going to make sure that you have the best season you've ever had. And I've got a lot of great responses, ton of feedback. Yeah. Really good feedback. And some of them were so good. I didn't make that post with the intention to do a podcast about it, but I, as I was reading some of them, I'm like, man, that would be a good podcast topic. That would be a great podcast topic. That would be good. Why don't we just try to cover some of these in one podcast yeah. and try to break down, you know, obviously I don't know the full intention of the person who wrote it, but I can, you know, some of those things that I'm reading, I'm like, man, yeah, well, we need to talk about that. And so um, that's what we're going to do today. And I thought you'd be great, a great co-host with me on that because, and, and one thing that we do is we cover a, a decent spectrum of whitetail hunters across the South. Because while you do hunt a lot of public land, you have a lot of permission property and family land and mm-hmm. um, just other places that you can hunt that maybe are a little bit different than some of the public land. And so I think that would be, uh, I think we'll we'll cover, you know, a good broad range of topics and have different opinions on some of these things. Yeah, that so, sounds cool. All right, before we get into that, we're going to take a brief moment to thank our partners of the show our partners are Spartan Forge, Tethered Nation, New Canoe, and Scree Gear. We'll start out with Scree Gear. Um, man, you really need to go check out ScreeGear.com. Use the code SOUTHERNGROUND at checkout. That'll save you 10% on your purchase. As we start getting into the, uh, the I mean, we're into summer. The next season is fall, and you're going to want to have a system that is going to work for you, um, and Scree is definitely the way that i would recommend you go it's affordable talking to a guy the other day on facebook who was asking about it and he said hey i don't believe that this stuff could be this good and be this cheap and i'm like man just start believing it because it's good stuff so go and check out screegear.com if you're looking for some new hunting apparel camo thermals you know base layers whatever you're looking for check out screegear.com secondly i would like to thank tethered nation um, said in past couple episodes, but there are tethered teach and train events going on all over the country right now. Luke, you got to go to one last I did, year. Yeah. Here tell, in me, Coleman. tell me what you think. You were, you, you were a pretty new saddle hunter last year. Tell me what you thought about that teach and train. Maybe some of the experience that you had. Yeah. So last year was the first year that I'd been exposed to saddle hunting and you invited me to the teach and train in Coleman. And it was a bunch of guys that were, veterans to saddle hunting 
new to saddle hunting, and we had uh, different setups. I think on that one you had the Phantom, and we did a bunch of giveaways and stuff. But, yeah, it was just super cool to talk to guys, look at their setups, because I had no idea what sticks to get. I had no idea what saddle to get. And I, I really sounds embarrassing, but I, I was like, what, what's a platform? Like, do you not just stand on your sticks all day? And people were talking about how uncomfortable that was. Yeah. But yeah, that, that really kind of opened the door for saddle hunting because I got to see everybody set up lightweight. You got to try it out. I got to try it out. Yeah. And it That's was, it was really cool to get up in a tree and actually sit in a saddle and try it out. And what was neat to me is it's for any type of guy, any size. Cause I had one guy, it was actually Michael Perry. He said, I'm not getting one of those things. And I was like, Michael, you can, you can definitely get one of those things. And when you got up in one, you were showing people, um, how easy it was to maneuver around the tree in a saddle. Mm -hmm. And that, that's what kind of blew my mind is being able to sit there. And then if you want to stand up on your platform, reach around a tree, pull around a tree, it was super cool. So. It's it's neat to, to watch people's eyes open up. But if you want to know if there's any teach and train tours, uh, any part of the teach and train tour coming close to you, you can go to tetherednation.com forward slash teach, teach dash the letter N dash train dash tour. So tetherednation.com forward slash teach and train tour with dashes. Tons all, of dash. All, with lots of dashes in there. And I'm looking at the map right now, and there's just – I mean, there's so many of them, man. You can't even, you, you can't, like, the, the the map is literally scattered all over the place with little T's on the map. So you'll be able to see all that stuff. Um, let me look right here. You talking about, like, teaching train? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So I encourage people to do that. So there's the Total Archery Challenge. That's already over. Uh, you got one in Lawrenceburg, Tennessee on June the 12th. You've got one in Clare, Michigan, June the 26th, Ohio. I mean, there's a ton of them um, coming up. I mean, there's one in Memphis, August 14th. There's one in uh, Tupelo, Mississippi, July 24th. There's one in Mabelvale, Arkansas, July 24th. Birmingham, Alabama, July 16th through the 18th. Madison, North Carolina, June 26th. Um, I mean, there's several of them still in the southeast going to be happening. So it's funny when you look at this map, like, there's, like, it's all, like, uh, southeast, um, northeast, and then east coast, and then there's one all the way over here in Utah. No way. <laughs> yeah. That's there's, awesome. There's one out west. Uh, and. I don't know if that that may be like a that may be a total archery challenge one or something. Hey, that one in Birmingham is that at the Deer Expo? Yeah, it'll be nice. at the Expo. Good deal. Yep. So um, that's coming up real soon. And uh, but go and check them out. We took a lot of time on tethered that time because I wanted to explain teach and train a little bit better, and it was great to have great to have somebody like you here. Um, also, Spartan Forge. Now we are in really a lot of conversations right now the spartan forge team about some of the uh things that are going to come be coming out on the app very very soon if you're not familiar with spartan forge it is a um a deer prediction app it uses artificial intelligence technology to predict when where what time what weather conditions all this stuff of where you need to be on 
any given day. Um, it's amazing. Like, it's really, really cool. I tested it out through the month of January, and as I was testing it out, I was doing it with a very open mind, also being very critical of it, and uh, it did not disappoint. Um, you can go to spartanforge.ai and uh, start your free 14-day trial. Um, you can watch a whole bunch of videos on their website about what it is and how it works, um, which is really great to do before you commit to anything. Don't just take my word for it. Take the word of guys like Garrett Prawl from the DIY Sports Sportsman, who's extremely analytical about everything. And uh, you'll be able to watch some videos um, from guys all over the country explaining what it is and how it works. Um, but you can also use the code Southern Ground at checkout, and it will save you 25% on your purchase. And that will... Um, that will stay that way for the life of Spartan Forge. As long as you have it, um, your yearly cost will stay the same, even with the discount code. So nice. it's pretty cool. You need to go get it, Luke. You need to try it out. I am. Um, this is not just for public land guys either. It's for anybody. I think this is the first time I've heard about it, actually. Well, that makes me feel great. That means you're not listening I'm to the podcast. Totally, I'm totally kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally kidding. <laughs> I've seen what you would say. Thanks. Thanks a lot, <laughs> Luke. But uh, lastly, New Canoe, as you guys know, I uh, really get off on kayak hunting and water access. And I've done a lot of research, done a lot of testing. And uh, New Canoe is where I've landed at. I'm going to continue using all the New Canoe products um, for as long as I do this thing because I just don't believe there's a better kayak on the market. Or I don't, I don't believe that there's a better um water a more versatile water access vessel than the new canoe um their their whole line of i mean you can do it with anything they have that I, I like the frontier and the unlimited but they have the frontier 12 the frontier 10 the, the new unlimited which is great um the pursuit the flint i mean all their whole line is uh it's almost like they i know they didn't design them with the hunter in mind but it seems like they did um but definitely the new unlimited was designed with um the hunter and the fisherman in mind so a lot of the a lot of the things that they have on all those uh models are just really great for water access for carrying gear i like to look at all the new canoe um, kayaks as a blank slate and you can just kind of customize it however you want the good thing about new canoe is while you can customize it the way that you want they use freedom tracks they have these gear tracks on the whole boat i mean all in all different positions on the boat where you don't actually have to drill into your boat to customize it you use those gear tracks and you don't have to risk anytime you drill into a boat you're taking a risk in my opinion what if you don't like it in that position what if you don't like it there what if you don't need that thing that you're drilling in what if you, in the long run you realize you don't need it yep. you know well then you just have a big big hole in your boat so Go check out newcanoe.com for all that. Now, we are done with that portion of the show. All right, so I want to get into this this episode with uh, some of these responses. And, I mean, I'm looking at, at this right now, and there's just so many uh, good things that people talk about. But the first one I want to highlight is, uh, I'm not going to say it's my favorite one, but I think it's a good starting point, and this is by... Uh, on Instagram, it's the typical sportsman, and he writes this, concentrating only on things that will allow me to be more successful versus all the bullcrap. 
Now, what's the question that you asked again, just to remind people? What are you doing right now, or what are you doing to make sure that your season is the best season yet, that this season is the best season you've ever had? And the reason that one stuck out to me, it's kind of vague. It's nothing super specific, but it is a good starting point for this episode because I think a lot of people, especially right now, kind of get into this like um, – like the, it's almost like you get into an information overload with all the new things, the products that have come out. Yep. Um, I mean, you've got people talking about all <laughs> kinds of different tactics that are sometimes they can't work together. You know what I mean? Like, for example, one tactic is um, that people use is don't go into an area until the until the time's right. Another tactic that people use is. I'm just going to scout my way all through the woods until I find something that looks good. Well, yeah. you you can't do – in this at least in the same spot, you can't do those those things together, yeah. right? Like you're going to do it one way or the other. And um, so I think I think it's, it's easy for people to get sidetracked and almost information overload from concentrating too much on um, just all the things that really don't matter. There are, there are a few things that I think really matter. What tell me, Luke? What what when you hear that that statement, do you think of anything for you that you're like, where you found yourself guilty of concentrating on crap, especially this time of year that doesn't really actually matter? Yeah, absolutely. And I was just what I was thinking as you were reading that comment is right now is is the time which it really needs to be year round, but right now is the time to plan what you're gonna be doing this deer season. Not, and I've been um, guilty of this, not when deer season gets here, start coming up with plans because then you start getting overwhelmed because then if one plan doesn't work, you're like, oh, let me go to this plan. And if that plan doesn't work, then you'll go to this plan, which has got to happen anyway. But if you don't have a plan at the beginning, you're just going to get to hunting season. You're going to get overwhelmed like what you said. You're going to try to find different tactics, different things to do that are just going to overwhelm you if because you'll find so many different tactics and that's what I did I was like well man why isn't this working but my planning and my prepping and going through those things outside of deer season wasn't taking place like those things have to take place outside of deer season because when deer season gets here it's game time like that's that goes to show if you have a successful deer season 99% of time it's probably because um you did the hard work outside of deer season did the scouting but then you have the one one percent of people that are just lucky. <laughs> yeah, I'd say there's I know, a bigger percentage of people that are just lucky. I know those people. But consistency doesn't. Consistency is not luck. That's where I see if you Absolutely. if you meet somebody that killed, you know, maybe they had just a jam up season one time in their whole life. I mean, maybe that was maybe been a little bit of skill, you know, involved in that, or it, maybe it's a lot of skill. But a lot of that's luck. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's when you see the guys you mentioned, Mike Perry. I mean. I was just thinking the guy's consistent year in year out. Um, Jamie McKay, that guy is super consistent. Uh, Like it's because it's a skill set. You know, it's not it's not like he got lucky on one big buck once. You know, I'm sure some of the I know some of the deer I've killed and some of the deer guys like that have killed may have been luck, but it's just recreating that over and over again. That that's the consistency, and that's what I always look for. When I'm listening to a podcast or um, anything like that, like I'm one of those guys where if I'm listening to a podcast and the guest has a bunch of big things to say, 
or or the host has a bunch of big things that they want to say and tell you how to do things, I'm going to go look at their record and see, like, mm-hmm. is this something that I need to actually consider? Because if they have a picture of, like, one or two deer on their Instagram that they killed, yeah. then, I, eh, you know, I'm not, I don't, I don't really want to take that for everything it's worth. Whereas if I look at somebody like one of those guys and it's like every year, Absolutely. year after year, that's what they're, I mean, you, they've constantly got that, that kind of reputation. I think that that's, that's a huge thing. And what we want to do with the podcast and with the YouTube channel and whatever is we want to help other people learn how to be more consistent, right? Like, like I, I, I don't feel like I'm doing anything with this other than entertainment maybe if nobody's ever getting better from anything that we talk about or anything sure. that we say like we want we want other people to get more consistent but the thing that always separates those type of people are um like they concentrate on very important things all the time for example and I'm not trying to I'm not trying to like make anybody feel bad about anything or make anybody like you know I'm not I'm not trying to this isn't pointed for any reason but I think gear can be one of the biggest distractions in deer hunting or turkey hunting any kind of hunting mm-hmm. or fishing you know I mean you've seen the guy out on the lake or fishing tournaments that has the nicest boat yep he's got 45 different rods that all cost $300 each He's got all the baits. He's got everything, and he never wins a tournament. Yep. You know who I'm talking. You know that not Absolutely. who I'm talking about. You know the kind of guy that I'm talking about. Absolutely. Um, there's the guys uh, on. I mean, uh, and this really it isn't anybody specific at all. But I watch a lot of YouTube just trying to find new people. I watch a lot of YouTube to try to find people to interview, um, see if there's somebody new out there that maybe would be worth a podcast episode or something so i end up watching a lot of youtube videos and this time of year i see youtube creators like start just like going crazy like there's Mm -hmm. all kinds of new gear review videos and like things that are they're, they're telling people to trust their opinion on something because this thing works but then you look at their actual reputation during one of the seasons or their actual hunting videos and there's nothing ever happening you know what i mean um and it's because they spent all that time concentrating on their new equipment and zero time learning that new equipment um and they and then next year they'll have something new that they have to relearn how to do so they don't ever actually get to like really focus on the deer which is the right that's the goal right we want i want to you know let's see let me look at something in here I want that tethered uh, predator platform because I want something that works. I want something that's good, something that is solid, something I can use a lot. And also it's going to help me kill deer. Now, I could kill deer with another platform, but I'm going to spend a lot of time learning that new platform, learning how to set it up. Mm-hmm. Like there's, And, and, I'm, and that's going to take time away from actually hunting. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. When I, I'm actually thinking, going back to like tactics and stuff, g- gear, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, one of the guys that um, like super, super killer when it comes to public land hunting, I was talking to him. Uh, it was back during deer season, 
and he was he actually had it was like a meet and greet and talked about public hunting and different tactics and and how to become a successful public land hunter and one of the things that he mentioned was the the cameras that he's running he said and word for it he's like i can't do that fancy stuff and it's not a knock to the quote-unquote fancy stuff Mm -hmm. but he's running cameras this year to get info for next year and so stuff like that i think you just you need to make the best of what you got you need to figure out what's going to be successful for you figure out what's successful for other guys as well have a plan and stick with the the things that are working you don't I don't like agree with what you said. Don't get too gung ho about having the, the, you know, the next best thing and that you, that you have to have X, Y, Z to become a successful hunter when that's not always the case. It may help you, but it's not always the case. Yeah. I mean, it, it, there's people out there. Let's talk about, I mean, Michael Perry's fresh on our minds. Um, yeah, that's what I was talking about. By the way, God, Let, I love that guy. Let's talk about Mike. I mean, he he is a he's a pretty simple guy. Like he's not using like the latest greatest technology. Nope. And he continues he continues killing to absolutely deer. dominate public land hunting. And, and I think a lot of it has to do with the I, the fact that he like even the saddle hunting stuff. He came to see what it was all about. He's still hunting out of a climber yep. API Grand Slam climber, um, but he knows that system. He's not wasting any time trying to learn a new system Mm -hmm. now a saddle would probably be great for him if you know whatever for his style of hunting but man i i get so frustrated when everybody like talking about packs or sticks or um you know different saddles there's guys out there who have been saddle hunting for not even a deer season yet and they've got 12 different saddles yeah and they're making youtube videos about them it's like i mean (laughs) okay that's that's great but why don't you just stick to one? You're wasting a lot of time trying to learn how to use new stuff when you could just learn how to use what you have and be more proficient. Like that's what I want to be. I want to be proficient. And so, um, man, I think that's, I think that's really good stuff. We had, um, I like that comment. Yeah. I, I thought that was really good. Um, Jacob Emery, he responded, stop giving a crap what others say and hunt how you hunt. And I think that that really goes kind of into that. There was a lot of comments that kind of said the same thing. It's like I don't want to. I want to stop concentrating on stuff that doesn't matter and concentrate on the stuff that's actually going to make me make me better. Mm-hmm. And if I had to narrow that down to anything, I would say like concentrate on the deer. <laughs> you know, yeah. The deer are the main goal. That's the prize. That's the touchdown, I guess, or whatever. That's what you're looking for. And if there's one thing that's always going to change, it's going to be where the deer are going to be at, what they're going to be doing. Um, for sure, you know, deer, a big buck, you'll have a new one to chase. If you look, you'll have a new one to chase every year. You know, like those are always changing. Their personalities are all different. Like gear, gear always changes and you just don't want to, you don't want to split your focus, like figure out something that, um, figure out something that works for you. And then when you make changes, don't make a whole bunch of changes at one time. That's the. I agree. I think that's the. And what you said, I think it's absolutely like, it. You have to test stuff out. Like, you can't just dive in and expect what someone says is true or what someone say says isn't true. Try it out. If it doesn't work, go back to where you were, and regroup. Come up with a different plan. Same thing. Does doesn't work? Regroup. Come up with a different plan. You're always gonna find. 
you're always going to find, I do, I always find like flaws in my system, mm-hmm. right? But I can do my, I can, I, I can get up in a tree, my whole, set up my whole camera equipment. I can do all that stuff in the dark without a flashlight. And it's because I've, it's not because I'm good or I have supervision, you know, like super night vision or anything like that. It's because it's all muscle memory. Everything is a system. Everything in my bag is put in my bag in a certain order so that I can pull it out all in the same order. If I switch up a bag, well, then that system changes and I'm going to be a lot more clunky, you know, getting up into a tree the first time yeah, in the dark. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think that I think that one's a really good one. Um, like I said, Jacob Emery said that hunt how you want to hunt. I think that really kind of goes into that. Stop worrying about how other people are doing it. There's other different ways to do Mm -hmm. it. Um, so many good ones. Let's see the slick seven said something that I did this past season that really worked for me. And, uh, he said this, um, staying out of the woods till it's time to make mock scrapes which I don't do mock scrapes, but staying out of the woods until it's time to be in the woods. Um, I think he's more specifically talking about like scouting and mm-hmm. like going out, which I, I don't, I'm kind of of a different opinion. Like, I don't think you have to stay out of the woods right now. Mm-hmm. I think they'll, they'll all adjust. Um, but he said this, he followed up with this, but hunt other spots that aren't my key spots. So this is one thing that I did do during the season last year. Um, and it takes time and it takes knowing the property and uh, like years of hunting these same areas to understand what the deer are doing in there. Like you probably have spots like that at your family property. Oh yeah, absolutely. That you absolutely know where the deer are going to come out. I mean, you may have the flyer every once in a while that just throws you off but for the most part you kind of know where they're going to be at and public's the same yeah if you can find a place on public like that you can you know obviously if it's if you're not having to maneuver around too many people you're you're probably going to be able to catch on Mm -hmm. the more you hunt it year after year how to trying to figure out how to navigate where the deer are going where they're going to be during the fall where they're going to be during the rut winter and uh yeah that's why i think it's important to, I mean, what 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 would you say? Would you let me ask you this? Would you rather find specific spots that you're that you know you're going to be able to stay in for a bit, or would you do you like the whole run and gun kind of different spots each time? I like both, and they go in together a lot too. Like um, when I'm doing out of state trips, hunting somewhere new, yeah, I mean, I don't know anything about the area. I'm going to be super aggressive. I'm going to go in. I'm going to scout. I'm going to scout until I find something good. And when I find something good, I'm going to set up and try to kill a deer. You know, that's what I'm, I don't have any history with these deer. I don't know any, like for all I know, the scrapes that I'm seeing could be made by a little, you know, pork horn. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. I'm going to, I'm just going to be super aggressive in, in those types of situations. Now here at home, when I'm hunting the public land here at home, I've had a lot of years of finding and hunting these areas and I do see things that are consistent even down to where the deer are going to come from like what trail are they going to mm-hmm. typically use in the morning and what trail they're going to use in the evening and those things stay pretty similar you know year in and year out where are they going to bed at um that doesn't mean it's it's the I'm hunting I don't ever hunt a specific deer um but 
one thing that I did last year, and I've talked about it in episodes before, is I stayed away from, I didn't hunt the spots that uh, that I knew were like high odds spots. So uh, I have one spot called Kill Hill. And uh, talked about it a lot, a lot of videos. My dad killed that spike yep. out there this year. He killed a great buck three years ago. Um, I've killed like six bucks off of that off of that hillside. Mm-hmm. And I'm just not, I used to go in there a lot. Like I'd go in there all through bow season. I'd set up in different areas of that. And I just broke down that whole place. I got busted a lot and saw a lot of deer and I've killed a lot of deer in there. But they're pretty consistent during during the rut. Like yep. you know, pretty well what the bucks are going to do during the rut, right there. So I don't even go. I think I hunted it. I don't even know that I hunted it for myself at all this season. Um, but I stayed out of it. I didn't even go in there one time until the day my dad killed that spike. Until rut. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And and that day we saw. You know, it was the last day of our trip. So and he was. Just, he wanted to kill whatever, you know, he was like, I'll kill anything. Yeah. And, uh, we saw a few smaller bucks and that was the one that gave him a shot. So, um, that one did, I say all that, that one did throw us for a loop. It came from a little bit different direction, um, than what they normally do. But, um, the, the point of this is I didn't go in there and I didn't, you know, I didn't go in there on a bad wind. Another spot where I killed, uh, seven point at last season. I didn't hunt it. It was two seasons ago. It was I went in there almost every day of the rut and sat in the same tree and saw a ton of deer and should have shot a big buck mm-hmm. at, in there. Um, and saw a lot of bucks. I mean, during that that week of the rut right there, we I probably saw a hundred deer, maybe more than that. I saw so many deer in there, and I didn't go in there this year. I hunted it one time. I hunted that tree one day this year <clears throat> and killed that buck. Like that was to me, when I think about this tactic of staying out of those areas, like that's the hunt that really sticks out to me. Yeah. And is, you know, I didn't go in there, didn't put my scent, didn't walk all around it. I hunted it one time, killed a buck in there the first day that I, that I hunted it. Um, that buck is the one that we were just talking about that, uh, where I saw that big one and it didn't get a shot at it. That was one that I scouted. And in early November, I went and hung a trail camera in there and I really yeah. scouted it hard right before I went to Kentucky. Yep. And I knew that was probably a risk going in there during season like that. But I also knew that there's not a lot of people hunting it. It doesn't see a whole lot of people that those deer don't see a lot of people walking all around. But I wanted to get some intel about it before I went in there and hunted it because I wanted to hunt it during the rut. Went in there the first day, stayed out of it until the wind was right, didn't even go back to get the camera, didn't check the camera, waited till the wind was perfect, the weather was right, barometric pressure was right, killed a buck. Yep. And should have shot a giant yeah. that day. Uh, let's see. That was the two. I, the other buck I killed was that running gun hunt on uh, private land, but... Those two bucks were the two public land deer um, this year, and that was the strategies that I used on both of those. And to be honest with you, I hunted a lot less this season, but was successful way faster 
Yeah. Just way faster because the spots that I knew were high odds that I was going to get an opportunity and that I knew that bucks were there, I just didn't I just didn't hunt them. I didn't take a chance to hunt them without, you know, everything being perfect. And I that doesn't mean I didn't hunt though. And that's what the guy said. Yep. That's what the slick says. The slick says hunt other says, spots that aren't my key hunt spots. Other spots. So the only way that you're going to find new areas is by hunting other spots. So I have a ton of areas that I want to check out or I want to hunt um, or I've hunted before and maybe they weren't like jam up high odd spots, but maybe I had a, a you know, an opportunity at a deer or maybe I've killed a deer there in the past. And so I hunted those spots. I was still hunting and still oh, yeah. learning and still absorbing all the information of the area that I could. But I didn't go in there with like, high confidence that I was going to kill a deer. I went in there with confidence that I was going to find, you know, find out if it's even worth hunting mm-hmm. right now. Look sign, look at sign. And those are the days when I'm going in, I'm being super aggressive. I'm scouting. I'm going to scout until I find something that I want to hunt. So they coexist with me. And I think they should with a lot of people. I think you'd see more success. Um, if you just, you know, and, and sometimes when you do those like aggressive scout hunts, like scout scout hunt type moves, yep. Sometimes that's going to be where you kill the the slammer giants. You know, you, yep. you kill the really good deer. You have the really good encounters, and then what you can do is you put that in your log of whether you keep a journal or keep a log or whatever, or just in your mind of okay, this is a spot that may eventually turn into a high odds spot that I need to stay out of until the time is right and that's how you get those spots yeah so a few things on that um i'm glad you mentioned the log uh by the way if successful public guys are saying something my ears are always open i'm writing down what they're saying learn from successful public land hunters a lot keeping a log of deer activity what you've killed what you've seen is one of the big things that i know successful public land hunters do um, and I've actually I got a question that I wanted to ask you when talking about the hunting uh, spots that aren't his key spots. Mm-hmm. So public land, private land, same when it comes to deer activity during the early bow season are going to be completely different than they are in the rut and towards the December well, here it would be like that early November towards mm-hmm. the end of November because um, we've got that early rut. What are um, like your advice when it comes to, like with me, that deer that I told you Austin shot, that deer was in a completely different spot than what he was running cameras during the September, October. And he was hunkered down not even 200 yards from where I had him on camera, but his area got way, 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 way smaller than what he was traveling. But once rut hits, gets up on his feet, and then once rut's over, they'll kind of hunker back down. Mm-hmm. When it comes to hunting different spots, what are you, what are you looking for? How do you know what, what spots to how – how do you know how to navigate that early season? Like if we prep through the summer, what you're looking for during that early season hunt – and then how to switch from the early season spots to the the winter spot or to the rut spots. Are you already looking at those spots during the summer, trying to figure out where you think those deer are going to be during the rut? 
how do you how do you switch that whenever whenever you're done with the summer hunt? Okay, so just taking those two bucks that I shot this year, for example, um, there are two different times of the season. I had no clue that that buck existed. You know, I didn't, or the the big one even. Mm-hmm. I don't run a lot of cameras either, so that kind of changes that kind of changes things just a little bit from the way a lot of people hunt and and keep a tab on deer activity. But I'll kind of tell you my my thing. So where where I shot that that first buck at that I was talking about, where I stayed out of it completely, and he showed up. That was an early season hunt. That was pre rut or not pre not even pre rut. It was just early season, and I killed I killed him a hundred yards maybe less from his bedding area. So early season is going to be all about finding core areas. So the small, the really small spots that you're talking about Mm -hmm. and getting close to them, the way you're going to get close to them and inside of those core areas is by going in when the conditions are perfect, right? Like, Oh, absolutely. You, you, you have to, otherwise, I mean, you're trying to get into his, you're trying to get like into his bed. You're not trying to get just into his house. Like you want to get into his, into his bedroom somewhere that he's going to be at. Those the two bucks that I killed early season this year were just like that. One of them was a run and gun. I found the right sign when I needed to find it, where I needed to find it, and I was able to set up from him, set up on him. And he was probably that was the private land deer when I got invited to go with Aaron. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was that buck. And I mean, he was probably bedded up less than a hundred yards away from me when I set up. The second one, which was like a week later, that was almost the same type of scenario. I had history with that area, so I knew where I wanted to be at. I had found the bedding, uh, buck beds, uh, back in the summer. No, I found them in deer season. I mean, in deer season the year before that, I'd found them. I knew pretty much. I, I knew that they were bedding there, but I just confirmed it. I found the beds and stuff. Um, so I had previous history there. I knew where I needed to be. I knew the travel corridor. Um, and I mean, I just waited. I didn't hunt it. It was where I saw so many deer at the year before that. I saw a ton of does, a lot of small bucks, two decent bucks, um, one really good one in there. And, uh, so I just knew like, because of the history I had, I knew what the exact tree that I needed to set up where that trail was coming out of those beds. So that was kind of like, if you're not getting into a core area, if you're hunting big, wide open hardwoods, like you're just, you may kill a deer there during the rut. Kill Hill is like that. Kill Hill is wide open hardwoods. There's not, I mean, there's a transition line, but where I kill the deer at the transition line is on the private property where I kill the deer at is coming out of that and into the wide open hardwoods checking for does during the rut during the yep. rut i have seen bucks there before the rut um and i've seen bucks there after the rut but it's few and far between i was just talking about those spots just the thick nasty mm-hmm. where where people don't want to go yeah that's where they're headed if you want to kill deer early season i think you have to get in thick stuff and during the rut the yep. rut i mean they're still going to be in the thick stuff. That's still where they're going to be their preferences. But a doe can, a doe can manip- manipulate them a little bit more. Yep, you know? for sure. Um, does that kind of answer your question? Yeah, a little I think bit it's on great. that. You know, and that's that's where I mean I do a lot of my scouting during turkey season, 
Um, I used to do a ton of summer scouting, like right now, but I just <laughs> this is we'll go into we'll go into that here on this next one if you're okay. good on that one. Yeah, you uh, got I think that's great. So that's that kind of that goes really well into the next thing that this guy said. Uh, Ike Man Texas, I, Ike Man TX said absolutely nothing. Between medical and work stuff this year, I haven't done anything. Well, that is a pretty good tactic to make sure you can have a good deer season, especially if you're married or you have kids. You'll have a successful marriage. You'll have a successful marriage. Also, like doing your work. Uh, Johnny Stewart, who was the guest this past week, um, last week was telling us, he does a uh, he owns an excavation business, and he works a ton during the summer, because he wants to be off during during deer season. Yeah, like he wants to not have anything that he has to do during the whole deer season, and I think that's where I have landed at for me personally, just the same way as he has. I, I used to put, I used to fish a lot. I used to be out there catching fish all the time. I used to be good at it too. Um, like I could catch. I could catch big bass just about any time I went and uh, I fished tournaments man I was it was awesome and I used to do a lot of summer scouting and I mean I was just always going always gone always you know doing that stuff and that was great it helped me out a lot Mm -hmm. for when I was doing that but if I were to do that now having a wife and kids (laughs) at home (laughs) Well then, no good. Then I have less days that I actually get to hunt during deer season. Yep. Um, because it's, and some guys are different. Some marriages are different. Some families are different. Some jobs are different. Where you have the freedom to do it whenever you want. Um, but that tactic for me has led to a lot more success. And I know it sounds stupid. It has nothing to do with deer, really. But it's led to a ton of success for me because whenever I Whenever I'm able to tell my wife, hey, I'm going to be gone a lot during deer season. Mm -hmm. And during the fall, I'm going to be gone a lot. During the spring, three or a month, really, month and a half, two months maybe of the spring, I'm going to be turkey hunting. That's just what I'm going to do. Well, then I have the summertime, the wintertime. I I have time that I can just completely dedicate to work and family. And that's big. You know, I don't. I want to I want to go hard whenever I'm going mm-hmm. to deer hunt. I want to be able to concentrate and hunt hard. I mean, some people are going to look at that and be like, I can't believe you let your wife dictate what you what you do. I've seen that crap on Facebook a lot. Shoot. And uh I'm just like, well, have fun with that. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you'll <laughs> have to deal with your wife. Yeah. Have fun with that. I mean, I I want to have a successful everything. Yeah. I don't want to just be successful at one thing. I want my family life to be successful. I want me to be a good dad. I want to be a good husband. And that makes a successful, a successful hunt that much sweeter anyway. Mm-hmm. And I will say, um, scouting through, I'll go back to Michael Perry. Um, he's taking info from this year for next year. Mm-hmm. That, that says a lot about, you know, what he's doing, running cameras and two, um, I think people can get overwhelmed when they when we mention scouting because of, oh man, I got to get out in the woods every single day. If I'm not out in the woods every single day, finding 
30, 40 spots for this year, then what am I going to do? But the reality of it is you're just overwhelming yourself when you find that many spots when the you're probably not going to hit that many spots correctly. Mm-hmm. You hone in and find the right spots and and focus in on those right spots and scout as you can. Like it doesn't have to be every single weekend throughout the summer where you're going to scout and and think well, if I don't scout this much, then I'm not going to have a successful hunt. And and if you like to do that and you have the ability to do it, then oh, it's not absolutely, gonna, it's not gonna hurt. No, not at for all. Sure. I just, for me personally, I've found that it it's it's more beneficial. There is benefit to going scouting in the summer. Don't get me wrong. There is benefit absolutely to it. I try to do most of my scouting during turkey season when I'm out in the woods, anyways, and I'm mm-hmm. covering a lot of ground. I have found more areas and also what it does is it gives you the sign during turkey season right there in march is fresher from rut then i mean you can the deer are still kind of on their winter time patterns and so you can it's it's more valuable information for deer season um but during the summer i mean you know i've done some valuable scouting during the summertime um but it is way more beneficial for me to devote that that time to something else, yeah. to, to family or to work or anything like that, so that I can release once deer season gets here, and I can start taking advantage of that of that time. You know, I can start making up that time. So, and I think it I, I think it gets easier. And I will say this isn't a knock at all to say, hey, don't scout during the summer. That that would be stupid. Scouting is good. Period. Yeah. Um, that becomes easier when you find those spots, just like you, you find spots, Michael Perry, um, Jamie, you find spots that work through the deer season and you're there next year and you find other spots the next year and you find, and you just build up, build up, build up to where, like what you just said, scouting is not, scouting is great. Scouting is good, but you've had years of experience logging intel on the spots that you're hunting and that you know you're going to hunt this hunting season. So let me ask you this, for a new public land hunter or somebody that doesn't have those specific spots yet where they have to get out, they've got to scout, what do you what do you say, hey, look for this and um, how to narrow down what those good spots are going to be to hunt? I mean, I can't tell you, I can't tell anybody what is absolutely going to work for them. Um, One thing that I did early on was in summer scouting, I didn't kill myself trying to, you know, cover tons and tons of ground. I would try to go into an area that looked good on the map that was, you know, uh, hard to access that's where I would put up most of my effort in was the access of it. And then I would try to find something that um, told me there's deer here. You know what I mean? Like, the, and, the, and it was all a progression. It was all a progression for me. So that first, that first time of summer scouting uh, on this, these public areas, I was looking for um, just any type of deer sign in the area. You know, it may be fresh, maybe it's old. Mostly I was going by tracks and using water access. I was going by tracks right there close to water. One thing that deer have to have in the summertime when it's hot is they're going to be 
sticking really close to that water. So if I if I found a spot, a beach that had an excessive amount of tracks, well, I'm probably not going to go any further in there. You know, mm-hmm. I'm just going <laughs> to there's deer here. I yeah. know there's deer here. Yeah. I'm going to put this area and then and then once the season came in, I was going back to those areas that I had that had the most deer sign and I was breaking them down during the season and making adjustments and scouting and in-season scouting until I found something that looked good and I would just it just became a progression now um years later I'm at a place where I know these areas I know a lot at different areas because I've done this a lot and I know the specific I'm not just going and looking for now I will do this still if I go into a new area just is there deer here because the fact is, is deer in the summer are not going to be the same in the same places as they are during the season, like you talked about. Yep. They're 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 moving around based on food, based on cover, because those are things that constantly change. And I want to know: Are there deer just in the area? Then once the season gets here, if it's a new spot, I'll just start breaking it down and trying to get more, trying to hone in on mm-hmm. more specific locations. So if I were talking to somebody new and they were you know, really going hard. Like I want to find the tree that I'm going to set in to kill a big buck this fall. I'm just going to say for me, maybe somebody else could say different. That's going to be really hard to do right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Other than terrain features and vegetation features. Yep. Yeah. Like if I go into a spot, if I were to right now, just go into the woods, walking around and find a spot that had, thing i've talked about a lot in the podcast which is a common denominator spot so if it has three let's say it's got a clear cut on one transition line and it's got uh hardwoods on on another one and then it meets a uh let's just say a pine a bunch of pines or Mm -hmm. something there's a three-way transition line right there where it's just basically making a making a t like that and then let's say there's a, a ditch or some type of bench or something that comes out like that, really close to that. That's going to be the spot. I'm going to find that you're going to find those spots, and I can say, okay, I'm going to set up in that tree right now. It's not even going to be based on deer sign, but it's going to be based on my previous experiences in similar spots. That if there's deer in this area, they're going to be right there at some point, right? Like yeah. those are the things that you just have to learn, which for somebody who's new is not going to have that knowledge quite yet for their area. Yeah. So I would just go to those areas right now, try to find deer sign, but don't try to get too caught up in exactly where you're going to hunt. Yeah. Just getting out there and scouting is Mm -hmm. always good. Yeah. And, and you know, learning more about the terrain, just walking a property, using your maps, using your maps, walking a property, um, I would worry less about finding um, if you just want to if you just want to go out and put in nine miles in a day of scouting, just go out and walk around and learn how the property lays. Mm-hmm. If there's deer there, I mean, there's a lot of benefit to just understanding what things look like. Absolutely, you know what I mean. Um, you, the last thing you want to do is get there at four o'clock in the morning during deer season. <laughs> And there's a 
you know, a, a bluff that you can't climb up or yeah. there's a creek that's too deep for you to cross or something like that. Like, that's not what you want at 4 a.m. Been there. I'd rather know that and be able to make adjustments beforehand. Um, so that's, that's kind of where I'm at on that one. I thought that was – I know he wrote that with, like, kind of probably lighthearted, like, I'm not doing anything. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> I've got too much work. I'm not doing anything at all. Yeah, um, I just I would just say just don't overwhelm yourself. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of good stuff. Um, this guy, we don't have to talk about this too much. I think it's pretty obvious, but Remy Bledsoe said getting my boys more involved. Summertime is a really good time to start getting them involved in the process and shooting and doing stuff like that, so I thought that was good. This guy, uh, Austin from Genesis 3D Printing, said shooting more and shooting – shooting and shooting some more. Um so learning that that goes back to learning your equipment. Um, summertime is a really good time to get dialed in on your on your uh, shooting your bow. Yep, like absolutely, that's the best time. I know people who won't start shooting; they won't even pick up a bow until August or September, and wonder why their equipment fails. So, one thing that has made me more um, successful is definitely shooting my bow and learning my bow every year like it's dialed in right now i could go out there and shoot pretty good probably shoot a deer if i wanted to right now but i'm gonna shoot all summer long so that way whenever it's come whenever it comes down to the moment of truth i'm gonna be confident i think confidence says a lot um there was one let me see if i can find it um Shooting every day, dialing in gear, taking off work for for hunting trips. Like, that goes back to what you're talking about. What a must. Like, yeah, you've got to start planning stuff now, right? Like, yeah. I already know where I'm going to be, what dates I'm going to be there. Um, that helps you in, a, in so many different ways. Just knowing the type of place that you're going to be hunting. What, what do I... Uh, what do I need to be prepared for? If you're going to be hunting mountains, then you probably could start getting in shape earlier. Whereas if you decide that you're going to go, like if in November you're like, you know what, I want to go to Utah. <laughs> you know, like yeah. you, you don't have the time. You don't have time to get prepared. Oh, dang it. I should have written this down, but there was one that I thought was really good. Um, And it's different than what we've, any of the stuff we've talked about here. Just, it's Garrett Prawl. From DIY Sportsman, he said, "Bigger focus on trying to locate certain bucks before diving into hunt." So, this is not anything that I'm at all that I do. I don't do this. I mean, I can think of a couple times when I've had an encounter with a big buck and have tried to go back in and kill him. But just as far as like targeting or finding a big buck, I just don't run a lot of cameras. Because it's just not what I do. Yeah. Um, but I know you have a little more experience doing this. So what? Obviously, cameras works huge for you. Explain Absolutely. how you're how you're um, finding the bigger bucks rather than. I mean, you're not just going into your family land and just. No. Yeah, I and cameras too. Um, I will. Those are. I can look at my cameras instead of being in there all the time. Mm-hmm. That that goes back to scouting. If I go scouting somewhere, I'm most likely 
going to have cameras with me to set up cameras in that spot to to come back weeks later, even months later to look and go, okay, what what am I looking at with these pictures? What deer are coming in here? Where are they coming from? And I'll have different cameras set up in, in pretty close vicinity to the other cameras um, just to figure out where deer are going to be coming from. But that's what I do just because that, that keeps me from having to be in there all the time mm-hmm. and then locating specific bucks. See, this, this past year with uh, my buddy Austin, that specific buck that I had on camera, I knew he was in there. And you're going to get, with cameras, you're going to be able to gauge what kind of bucks are in there, what kind of deer are in there, where, um, you know, they're going to be based on where your camera's at. Uh, but this particular buck that Austin and I were hunting last year, I just couldn't figure out where the crap he was, where the crap he was coming from. And then whenever um, I started looking at the map, I, I, I figured out, okay, where's the thickest stuff in this area? Because he kept coming by that camera every single night, right at night, right at dark, or right at dark, right after, you know, shooting light. Was this deer and deer season? This was deer and deer season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, are you talking about specifically during the summer? No, too? you can tell that. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it all works together. I have another question for you when you finish that. Just um, about. But yeah, and and I I went okay. Where's the thickest stuff in this? Because that's that's where he's going to be coming from. That's where he feels safe. And I found the thickest stuff that I could possibly find in that area. And then that's when I, I jumped him. I didn't even I didn't even have a clue where he was. And then that was when I ended up figuring out, okay, this buck is in this particular area. Uh, rut's completely different, though, because they will, they will either disappear or they'll stick around with the does for a bit. Uh, but summer's a bit different. Uh, with me, the experience that I've had with summer is if I have specific bucks on camera during the summer and a specific buck that I want to kill, I will get in as soon as bow season is open to try to figure out where I need to be um, to kill that buck because I know he's going to disappear once he gets pressure. Yeah. So when you're, I know you, I know you run cameras. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you have any out there right now, but you run oh, yeah, cameras pretty, pretty much throughout Year the round. season, and you have bucks that disappear. You have bucks that, you know, they maybe this is their summer home range is where they're hanging out at mm-hmm. during the summertime in bachelor groups, whatever. Um, when you're doing like what Garrett talks about here, finding like right now you're finding where the big bucks are. Once bow season gets in, are you going in straight for the kill on some of these big bucks? Um, because you know that they're going to, obviously you said, you know, they're going to disperse at some point, Alabama, you're not lucky enough to really catch deer in a velvet. Nope phase so they're gonna they're already gonna be split up out of their bachelor groups most of the time well with the earlier season though well it'll be very very close you'll get lucky if you shoot one in velvet what's cool i have a buck still well maybe a doe with with velvet i don't know because it's had um it's had horns velvet last year all through the summer all through deer season and still has the same set of antlers uh, with velvet right now. Really? That dropped nothing. Yeah, it's super weird. <laughs> That's probably a doe. Anyway, it's got to be a doe. Yeah, it's got to be. Anyway, or a buck saying? that got his testicles castrated, castrated or something. Anyway, um, sorry to cut you off. No, you're good. It, it's just um, I've always one of the main reasons why I've 
never really focused too much on trail cameras, especially during the summertime. It's just because like the likelihood that that deer is going to even be around mm-hmm. is going to be pretty low, not low, not low. I know they'll stay in the same area, mm-hmm. but it, it more than anything, it's just to gain inventory. Yeah. I think right now of what deer live somewhere close by, you know, somewhat close. Yeah. So there's, so I've been doing two different things in public may be a bit different, um, but it's still Alabama deer. So whenever I, I'm running cameras during the summer, and by the way, I'll keep, I'll keep cameras in the woods year round. Just like what I keep going back to Michael Perry. God, he's freaking awesome. Um, he's taking info from this year and applying it to next year. When I run the cameras for this summer, I'll start seeing, you know, bucks coming in. Um, obviously, they're they've got, you know, velvet right now, and they'll continue to have velvet till. Uh, probably August, September is when they'll stop shedding into the, towards the middle of September is about when all of them are done. Um, with me, I've got two options. I know where deer are going to be during the rut and I know where deer are going to be during bow season. It's kind of a gamble because I don't know. And that's why it's so important to have bedding, to have thick cover, to have all that the deer need, figure out where that's going to be, and hone in on those spots because they're not want to. They're not going to want to go anywhere else, especially big bucks, unless it's during the rut when they're chasing does, because that's that's their home. And I I had to figure out how to create uh, a piece of of land where it's on my family's land where the deer didn't want to leave. They were less likely to leave and go somewhere else. And so during the the early bow season, the the deer that I've got picked out that I want to kill, that I'm like, hey, I, I would shoot this deer. I am most of the time, 99% of the time, I am trying to figure out how to make that happen as early as possible, because there is a chance that when when gun season rolls around, ruts here, that buck may disappear. It may be gone, and I may never see it again. Mm-hmm. But then on the flip side of that, during the rut. There were spots where I didn't, like you were saying, I didn't touch until the rut because the deer are going to navigate towards those, the the property and the pieces where they feel safe, mm-hmm. where they feel like, hey, this is where I'm going to be okay. And that's where they will just close into those little bitty pocket, little mm-hmm. bitty spots where those big butts will close into. And so during the rut, I would kind of switch and hunt different places and hunt different uh, with a rut, but yeah, I don't know. It kind of all depends. If I've got a monster, I'm trying to kill him as soon as possible. If, if it's not right in any particular situation, if nothing's right, if bow, if during bow season, gun season, if it's not right, when, when I say right, wind, I can get in there and get out. If everything doesn't line up, I'm, I'm not hunting him because I can't, I can't, there's very few times where you can keep bumping a buck and he'll stay. Yeah, yeah. You have to be. I think it's harder on private land to to do that because yeah. these deer. I mean, especially a private piece like you have, where you're pretty much the only person hunting it. Mm-hmm. Like, they they can start to pat. They're not used to tons and tons of pressure. You know, public land deer. If you find a big buck that's staying in the same area, 
after getting bumped over and over and over and over again, he's probably still not going to stay in that same area, but they're a little more used to yeah used to people pressure. But so. did that answer your question? Oh yeah, okay, yeah, absolutely. Cool. It's something that I you know I don't know I don't do a ton. Maybe I'll evolve and get to where I want to hunt specific deer. Right now, I like the mm. I like just going and killing buck. Yeah, I know. Like, I think it's fun. You know that that, that to me it tests my it tests my ability to um like go into it like be able to kill a deer based on the sign and the terrain and the yeah in the vegetation i like that aspect of like i didn't know what deer was in here but my my hunting and my scouting and my whatever proved to be correct in yeah. this situation and also cool. sometimes getting lucky you know like and so, I'm the same with cameras too. If I can figure out what deer's coming in, what deer's showing up, and you know, figure out what area he's in, and be able to call that, like I, I love that. Especially yeah. when it all comes together and you've got that plan. And you don't have to spend a tag, use a tag on it, if, yeah. if unless you kill it. Yeah, you know, for sure. But just using the camera and like saying, "Oh, that's cool." You know, I put this camera in the right spot. Absolutely. I knew where this deer was going to stick his foot at. You know, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, man, that's uh, there's uh, there's a lot of good stuff. Those were some of the ones that I highlighted. Um, but there was a lot of people who said more cameras. Um, we got that quite a bit. You can I mean, you can't go wrong with cameras. Don't check them <laughs> every single week. That's yeah. the biggest encouragement. Don't do that. I think my thing with cameras is I know how I am, and part of the reason I don't run them so much is because. I'll get a certain deer stuck in my head and I'll waste all my time on that deer instead of yeah. doing what I know. So that's, that's what I'm, I mean, that big buck that I didn't get, didn't shoot last year when I shot that mm-hmm. one. Um, I got a picture of him. That was like one of the only cameras that I hung during the season. And I got a picture of him that day. And, uh, you did. Oh yeah. I'll show you. You have it. Yeah. Yeah. You'll have to show it to me. Um, I got it. And I've thought about him. I look at that picture all the freaking time. Oh gosh. Because I can't stop thinking about him. And, uh, I mean, that just, that's just how I am. There he is. Oh, let me see. I wish people could see. Wait, which one is that? The one you killed? That's not the one I killed. That's the other one. Oh, no, the monster. Yeah, that, that sucks, bud. <laughs> I wish I could see it. Man, what a stud for and public. That, and that, 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 uh, camera angle is like. Ha. Way, it's like. 10 feet up yeah. pointed down at him and dude that the picture doesn't give him justice on how tall he is and how much mass he has yeah like when i saw him I, i've seen a lot of bucks <laughs> you know like i've seen a lot of big bucks as the one where you're like oh and that was when i was like oh my god yeah you know but uh hopefully this helped some people out i, don't, I hope you so know, you know i mean it, it's all again this is all based on just opinion you know, there's so many different ways to go about it. You know, you can, there's people who kill big deer on feeders. There's people who kill, kill big deer, you know, doing the opposite of everything we said. Absolutely. You know, like it's, it's, it's so much opinion and style. And, uh, so nothing is, uh, I, I'd say this, nothing is set in stone. If you do all of these things, you still might not kill a deer or you might kill the biggest deer, you know, yeah. who it, it's just so hard to, it's so hard to tell, you know, you just, they're 
wild animals. But why important to get out there and just figure out what works for you. Uh-huh. You're right. But I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Um, thanks, Luke, for coming on and coming over. And Thank you. I love doing this it. During a work day. I appreciate that. Should I not say that? Well, now they now they know where I'm at. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm gonna. I got a meeting. Yeah, really. I put that on my calendar a lot. A meeting. That's awesome. I have an appointment. <laughs> I have an appointment with uh, Mr. White. There you go. What's yeah. White? What? What's White's last name? Tail. Mm-hmm. 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 Sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah. That's my. Uh, I always say that. Or well, never mind. I won't give away all my secrets. But uh, thanks again for coming on, guys. Um, Make sure you check us out. I mentioned the Instagram page. It's where we got all these answers from. But um, you can check us out on Facebook, on Instagram, at Southern Ground Hunting. You can also go online to the website and uh, read some articles and blogs and all that stuff at southerngroundhunting.com. Make sure you check out all of our partners, all of our sponsors. We really appreciate them, and they uh, they help us make this show possible. That's Tethered Nation, Spartan Forge, um, New Canoe and Scree Gear. So check them out. If, uh, if you're going to be in the woods, remember this, that God gave you dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and the beasts of the earth. So go out and exercise that dominion. We'll talk to you next time. Peace.